Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Advocates Advocates podcast, the show that's bringing simplicity back into the complicated world of beer, wine, and spirits. I am your host, Spence Craft, and as always, I am joined by two guests. Our average beer drinker tonight, her name is Abby. Abby, go ahead and say hello to the folks. Hello, everyone. All right, and then our industry professional is Chase. Hey, guys, what's going on? All right, Chase, go ahead and give us some of your background. So... Before working for Goodwood as their Louisville sales rep, I was actually the beer manager over the Outer Loop store for Liquor Barn here in Louisville. So I did that for three and a half years. I went through cert- certified Cicerone programs. I actually also went through WSET One wine programs. I went to many, many trainings, many, many tastings. I actually tasted a lot of my own with off-flavor kits that you can buy from Cicerone, things of that nature. Um, really just went around and tried to drink as many different styles of beer as I could, especially ones that I wasn't very familiar with, obviously to get more familiar with them, and also forced myself a lot of times to drink styles of beer that I didn't necessarily like. So it's been a long, long road, but... So will you uh, briefly explain what Cicerone certification is? So pretty much the Cicerone certification program is it's kind of become the standard for beer knowledge across the board in the professional beer industry. So they have the first levels, the CBS, a lot of times bars and restaurants will have their bartenders or bar backs or lead bartender or whomever take the CBS because it just kind of gives you an all-encompassing, well-rounded base knowledge of different styles of beers, where different regions from around the world the beers are made, uh, different characteristics from beers from Germany, the U.S., wherever, and also gives you a lot of storage, so better better knowledge pretty much on how to store beer, better knowledge on how to maintain your draft lines. So folks, ask your next beer tender if they are Cicerone certified. They might be impressed that you even know what that is. Abby, did you know what that was? I did not. All right, now you do. See, we're learning. Yeah. That's what this podcast is for. Exactly. All right, so. Didn't you want to introduce myself? I'm an average beer drinker. You are the average beer drinker here tonight, (laughs) and of course we wouldn't skip over you. Uh, I'm more curious as to what your flavor profile is. What do you more tend to lean towards? What don't you like typically? Uh, We like to be very open about our biases. If you do not like, say, uh, IPAs, which we did last week, please let us know now. If you love sours, now's the time to tell us. Um, I'd say I began the world of beer drinking lots of Kolsch's, but... Over time, I've kind of steered free, more free of those, more or less. Um, I like a lot of sours as well as stouts, um, which are, you know, obviously two different flavor profiles. But um, I really try to try a lot of different things. I think it kind of depends on the mood that I'm in and kind of the situation or season. But I definitely think I lean more towards sours just as like a specialty kind of thing. Very cool. And folks, we will definitely do a sour episode here in the near future it is on the schedule so the theme for the day is pale ales i gotta apologize to our listeners i kind of jumped right into the india pale ales last week without really explaining what a pale ale is in the first place i am so sorry but we are backtracking a little bit and we're going to the base chase will you tell us kind of just some common characteristics of what a pale ale should be what a customer would expect and maybe if you like a certain flavor profile to try a few of these pale ales. Yeah, sure. So pale ales are 
sometimes misconstrued as being IPAs, but obviously two completely different styles around the same family of ales, but generally pale ales are going to use a lot more of a pale malt build into it, so they're going to be a much lighter, more clearer see-through color, as well as have a little bit more of a malty backbone to them, a little bit more of a well-balanced flavor, not so much of the hop forward bitterness to them, but you know, obviously there are a lot of breweries brewing a lot of different styles of pale ales and IPAs and things of that nature now. So unfortunately, it's kind of gotten a little blurred with some some breweries IPAs are they're not going to be as bitter as another brewery's pale ale and vice versa. But mm. generally, a pale ale is going to be a little more clear, a little lighter in color and have a little bit more of a malt build to it. So Abby, are you an IPA drinker? Um, not consistently, but I do, you know, okay. enjoy casual IPA. Would you say, and I'm going to have you reach in your memory bank, okay. did you start with pale ales and graduate into IPAs, or did you just kind of jump right in? Oh, definitely pale ales first. Well, are you all thirsty? I am definitely. Always. This is my favorite part of the show. This is where we start drinking, and listeners, at the end of the show, you know that we are going to do the revealing, and I hope that you are already following us on Facebook. Uh, join our group page and you can actually participate. We have a very simple table that we follow. It's sight, smell, taste, finish, conclusion. Abby, ladies first. What uh, what are you seeing? Color, is it uh, hazy, clear? It's a little hazy. Um, it's like a golden color. Okay. Not, not super dark, but... Hazy. I cannot see you through my glass and through the beer, nor can I see Chase through there, so it is a bit opaque. And Chase, how about you start us off with what you smell and you got your nose in the beer? So definitely right off the bat smelling a little bit of, a little bit more of that grapefruity, citrusy note to it, but also just a little bit of a bready smell. Kind of to me indicates that this is going to have a slight bit more of a malt build on the back, a little bit more of a well-balanced it's going to have some hops. I haven't tasted it just yet, but I think the hop flavor is going to be a little more cut down on the back end of the palate versus the front. So let's taste it and find out. And when you say bready, are they throwing bread in the beer? Or what, <laughs> what makes the beer have that characteristic? Definitely not throwing bread in the beer. You know, I'm sure that there are some breweries out there doing some crazy stuff like that. But the bready flavor definitely comes from a little bit more of the, it comes from the malt, the barley, a lot of common descriptors are ready, cereal, like ricey almost. Like it gives a little bit more of that sweeter characteristic and smell versus the bitter, piney, resinous, citrusy, grapefruit of the hops. And as we learned last week, the hops do give that bitterness effect. All right, Abby, what are you tasting? Um, I think that on the on the front end, it's a little bit hoppier, and then you know, ending taste is. I don't know, I guess soft, I guess, is a way to describe it. And maybe just um, mellow. It's not really sitting on my tongue too much or my mouth. Um, more in the back of my mouth, I'd say. But overall, I mean, I think I, I think it has a decent finish. It doesn't really sit too much. I prefer if it doesn't sit a whole lot, you know, not too heavy. Okay. And so the two of you just kind of discuss amongst yourself. As a pale ale, would you say, yes, Chase, this is what a pale ale should be? This is a good base. 
um, the flavor might be a little off. Give us kind of a more average imbibers take on it. Is this something that maybe someone just starting off would want to start with and kind of grow and expand from here? Yeah, so I definitely think this is a good representation of a pale ale. It has a little bit of a, the hop flavor through and through carries a little bit longer than what I would maybe think that it would. I've got a couple ideas about what brand or what brewery this is made from. I think, again, a great representation. I think it is something that the average beer drinker, you know, coming from domestic beers, trying to get into the world of craft, not diving straight into IPAs, but I think this could be that nice bridge beer. Getting a little bit more of those hot flavors, a little more adjusted to their palate instead of just, you know, obviously diving straight into IPAs. It's just straight pine and resin, much more bitter usually throws a lot of people off and then they don't they're kind of gun shy to try anything else that says the world pale in it uh-huh. so but this one i think is a good starter yeah i would agree i mean even now drinking it a little bit more so whenever i first spoke i had like a sip or two but now that i've almost finished it i feel it's setting more in my mouth i definitely would consider it like a session and would you describe a session okay uh in my best terms i'd say something that like you are able to continuously drink. Um, There's some things that I think for me are harder if you have a bunch of them, but I feel like with a pale ale or a lager or a pills, those are kind of lighter beers that you can drink more of. So a more approachable. Yeah. Accurate, Chase? Yeah, definitely. You know, the more sessionable styles of pale ales are kind of spot on with that. They're a Mm -hmm. lot more approachable. The the flavor in it is going to be a little more mild, a little more balanced. It's going to have more so of that bready, soft, maltier flavor that lower most, alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Usually right around 4.5 to 5 percent ABV on the sessions. I call them my lawnmower beer because I can yeah. sit on my lawnmower uh-huh. all day, you know, and just drink uh-huh. them and still oh yeah be able to make it back into the house. Uh-huh. I usually I say lake beer. <laughs> lake beer. <laughs> lake beer. Or pool beer. All right, on that note, let's uh, move on to beer number two. Like it, Abby. Toss it hey. back. Yeah. All right, Chase, you want to go ahead and let us know what it is you are seeing on this? Is it uh, similar to what the first beer was? Is it a little bit more what you would expect from a pale ale? Less? So right on? Definitely, I, I think as far as color and clarity goes... Pretty similar to the first one. It's definitely mm-hmm. opaque, straw to gold color. So it's uh, definitely what I would, I think, just from the looks, I haven't tasted it yet, that it's it might be pretty comparable as far as balance-wise to the first one. But on the nose, to be completely honest with you, can't really smell. And, a whole and lot. I'm saying don't mm-hmm. and don't take my word for it. My allergies have been messing up a little bit here lately. But <laughs> I honestly, I'm not, I'm not catching a whole lot of really anything i'm catching a little bit of a little bit of maltiness to it but not a whole lot of hop to it is mm. at all or really any citrus so you know, yeah definitely nothing. no definitely no citrus it, no it is pine, it's almost no more recipe. floral yeah to me yeah definitely got a little bit more of that earthiness to it versus yeah. the citry citrusy bright right. lemony flavors mm-hmm. it's not going up into your retro nasal mm-hmm. and like ripping you down or yeah, anything no, it's not. just real soft wow okay hey keep it going you're sipping don't worry, Abby. We'll get to you. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm adding my points as I think yeah. of them. <laughs> so, on the first, first small sip, kind of let it coat the palate a little bit. The next bigger sip on it, it really starts to 
starts to bring out those flavors a little bit more. It almost has a little bit more instead of a, it's got a lot more of that floral perfumey hot bite to it. Not, but it's not real heavy. It's definitely, you can definitely tell this one has a much higher malt build on the back end. So it's balancing out. It's cutting those hot flavors down to me a whole lot. I, I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. As far as if I think this is a good representation of a pale ale, I would like to see a little bit more of a hoppy flavor to it because, you know, kind of the whole purpose of the pale ale is to try to, well, I guess not the whole purpose, but a good purpose of the pale ale is to try to bridge you up to the IPA bitterness. Mm -hmm. And I think that even if you went from this to the first beer, you might still have a little bit of a problem with the first beer because this has next to no hot bitterness to it at all. It's got a little bit of bite right there on the apex of the tongue, but again, it's a very soft, perfumey, hoppy. It's not real harsh, it's not real resinous, not real bitter to any degree. If I had to give this beer an IBU, I would probably give it like a 10. 10? So. All right. And listeners, we went over IBUs last week. If you haven't listened to it, go ahead, go back, check it out. Nabby? Yeah, I'd say this is a... I don't really know if I'd consider that a pale ale. You know, just, I mean... Well, and again, that's just the weird thing that I was talking about earlier, that there are so many breweries yeah. out there brewing so many different styles of pale ales mm -hmm. and IPAs that, you know, somebody's pale ale could be, be way crazy bitter, and somebody else's IPA that traditionally should be more bitter than a pale ale mm -hmm. could taste something like this. Yeah. So maybe this, just baby steps could be a person's first pale ale oh, and then definitely. we move to that first one yeah definitely yeah. i think this but don't forget we got one more beer exactly yeah. yeah i think it'd be difficult to go from this directly to an ipa because this doesn't have that sort of so the finish abby you kind of said that it doesn't really have one it just kind of right. dissipates there's not much to it you mm -hmm. even asked this is a pale ale mm -hmm. really let's just kind of summarize up this beer number two for everybody. Honestly, it's it's full bodied. Like you can definitely tell that it has a little bit more of a heavy body to it, but the upfront flavor, it's light, clean, crisp, almost has a little bit more towards a lager carbonation to it. And right there on the top of the tongue, floral, perfumey, small hop flavor kind of coming through on it. And then right on the finish, malts off a whole lot, turns a little more sweeter, and that hot flavor really, to me, kind of goes away almost immediately. I like it. I definitely would consider maybe this to be more so the sessionable of the two that we have tried. Mm -hmm. I definitely think if you were to give, say, a domestic beer drinker beer number one or two, I think number two would probably be the one that they would like a little more. Mm -hmm. The beer world, like you said, is baby steps. So. Mm -hmm. You gotta start low and then work your way back up. So, anything to add, Abby? I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think it like almost gives you like a tease of hops at the beginning and then just mellows out entirely. Whereas whenever I had a drink of that first beer, I thought like it was that way, but then as I kept drinking it, it totally you know threw me. You know, I just was like, actually, it's staying you know it's staying longer on my tongue. Um, it was bigger than you thought. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one like gave you a little bit and then you know, didn't follow through with it. It's a very light taste. I would agree, Chase, that it's um, 
more of a session than the first one, though. Definitely, and just, again, even on that, mm-hmm. you really don't taste alcohol in this at all. It really, it really has a very. I would assume that it would have a very low ABV. In all honesty, mm-hmm. I would, I would peg this one around like four two. To me, it's pretty light. It's full bodied enough to be considered, I would assume, a pale ale. But I do think it's teetering right there on the edge of maybe more so a a lager. No, not necessarily a lager, but maybe more so a hoppy wheat ale. So, okay. All right. Beer number three. We ready? Cerveza Tres. Cerveza Tres. All right, Abby. This one's all, right, all you. Yes. I want you to take it beginning to end. Sight, smell, taste, finish. All right. Sure thing. Um, so this one is, I mean, darker than the others. And that being, I think it's just as hazy as the others. Um, this is definitely have more of the honey-ish color. I smell the, I think I smell the bready, breadiness of it. So yeah, definitely it's another one that doesn't have a whole lot of that, it doesn't have a whole lot of that mm -hmm. detectable floral hoppy bouquet up front. Mm -hmm. So I think this is another one that's going to, you're really going to be able to detect more of the flavors through your smell once you actually taste it. Just need that one to sit a little bit, I think. Cause I don't really feel the, I don't really taste the hoppiness right off the bat or on the end. It's just kind of. So you're getting a lot more of the malty flavor versus yeah. the hoppy flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will admit, I, you know, I thought that beer number two was a little more backed off on the hoppy flavor, but I really thought that just due to the more amber to gold color mm-hmm. of the beer number three, that it would have a little bit more of that hoppy, floral, resinous kind of, you know, pretty normal flavors for a pale ale, mm-hmm. but on the nose and on the taste, I honestly would peg this one, I might peg this one to be the smoothest of them all. So mm-hmm. it's it's got a good flavor to it, but it just, the hoppy flavor to me, you know, it just, it's there for a slight second and then it just really mm-hmm. malts off That's a lot. Fine. You know, it's a clean... It's a clean, crisp malt flavor to it, so it's definitely got a little bit more of that carbonation bite versus the hoppy bite. So I like it, but I think this one kind of threw me for a loop because I was expecting—I don't know, maybe. I mean, I was expecting this one just to be a little bit hoppier, maybe just because well, of you the, know. the color, you know. Which you know is the totally... saying: "Don't judge a book by the cover." Right. Well, yeah. Don't mm-hmm. judge a beer by its color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like yeah, that. I would. And this—I would agree that this is the smoothest. To me, good. It's good beer. Tastes good. Mm-hmm. Again, personally. I don't think that this is a good representation of a pale ale. I think that it should have a little bit more of that hoppy floral bouquet up front. I think it should have a little bit more of the bitterness to it. It's all well and good to have that malty sweetness kind of come through on the back end and balance everything out, but on this beer, it really doesn't have very much malt, or excuse me, very much hoppy bitterness at all, kind of any, any way through it. And you know, again, I'll admit I haven't been drinking water between the beers, so my palate might be a slight bit diluted from the first two. But even still, if this were a if this were a traditional pale ale that had some sort of 
bitterness to it, I really feel that you would be able to detect it even having tried two other beers prior. And to me, I just really don't pick up a whole lot of hoppiness. And I, I mean, I've been drinking water in the middle, and I totally agree with that. Like, I don't, I don't pick it up. I said you, you said you picked it up off the first, like, you know, whenever you first taste it. I can hardly even pick it up then. Yeah. Um, and I that's mean, probably. It's, it's a very, yeah. it's a very faint hop characteristic to it. It's almost definitely. I don't think has quite as much carbonation, but then again, it has been sitting here for a couple minutes, so it could have dissipated a little bit, but I don't think that it has, to me, the hoppiness to be considered a pale ale, but this would definitely, again, be more so one that I would consider a hoppy pilsner or a hoppy wheat ale that's just very, very minute in the hop characteristic of it. Yeah, you know, now that you say wheat, I'd maybe consider it closer to a wheat just I don't know really I just I guess because the mild taste yeah. I'll admit I am super curious to figure I know I'm, I'm really I really want to know I'm super curious are. to know what beer number three is that's the fun part of the show and we never find out I'm just kidding nope and show's over <laughs> and show's over we'll see you next week folks thanks for tuning in before the reveal sure. I have to ask you all based on how you enjoyed it but also more for you Chase based on the common characteristics of what you as the professional would expect from a pale ale, how would you rank them? Abby, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Based on how you enjoyed the beers, what would you rather be drinking Saturday afternoon, maybe poolside, late evening, pick your spot where you enjoy beer the most? Which one of these three like to have in your hand? If I had to rank them, I personally, I kind of liked beer number one. I do beer one, beer three, then beer two. Um, I just, I don't really think beer two did it for me that much. I, I said I liked a lot of sours and stouts, but I also into wheat beers, which is why I think that third, number three, uh, really sat well with me because it kind of has that mellow, oh, mellow definitely. taste. I, I think I like beer number one just because, I mean, it really gives you the, I mean, you have the hoppiness flavor, which... You know, it's kind of what you're going for. All right, and Chase? So between the three, thinking strictly pale ales, I like beer number one, but as far as what you're asking me, just whichever ones that I like the most, I did like beer number two. The more and more that I kept kind of drinking on it, it was very light, it was very sessionable. The hot flavor, that perfumey bouquet was there, and then it was gone very quickly. But that, to me, is definitely something that I could see myself, you know, sitting by the pool, sitting by the lake, mm-hmm. hanging out with buddies, even going to a tailgate or something like that, and drinking, you know, four or five of, not completely destroying your palate if you wanted to switch over and try something else. Because yeah. if you do start to have some of those hoppier beers and you try to switch over to something a little lighter or something a little more malty, it can ruin the flavor for you quite a bit. So my list would definitely go two, one, three. I liked number one quite a bit. It was hoppy, it was malty, it was balanced. Uh, I would like to have seen a little bit more malt come through on the back end, but it definitely had a little bit more of that traditional characteristic that a pale ale in my eyes should have. Mm-hmm. And beer number three, it while drinkable, I it just didn't really do a whole whole lot for me. It was, you know, it, it was clean, it was carbonated, it was 
beer, so I would drink it one way or the other. I don't know. Didn't have a whole lot of great flavor to me. It was it was light. It was easy. It had a little bit of too much maltiness on it, especially if it was to be considered a pale ale. So that to me just kind of throws it through the ringer and I'm not real crazy about beer number three, which is making me even more antsy to figure out what it is. Because <laughs> I can already tell that it's like a beer that I'd buy all the damn time. <laughs> and I'm just going to have to eat my words like crazy and be like, oh, damn it. Well, that's, that's all right. That's kind of what this uh, blind tasting's for. Beer number one from Indianapolis, Indiana, Sun King Osiris Pale Ale. Okay. Beer Advocate has this beer ranked at 3.96 out of 5. Beer Connoisseur has it ranked 94 out of 100. So nearly on a like world-class level style pale ale here. The ABV is 5.6. Damn, a little higher. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, like an IPA would sit around 7, so it does fit with that profile. Sure. And Rate Beer, surprisingly, has 83 out of 100. Okay. It just goes to show how different like individuals' tastes really go. Oh, yeah. So sure. don't just listen to one person or say, oh, I had one pale ale at this one place at one time. Don't be afraid to branch out and talk to the bartenders, especially if they are Cicerone certified, they'll be more than happy to help and make your experience the best it possibly can be. Well, and I always think the best beer is the beer that you like, you know, and I think that's kind of straight across most drinks. The Mm -hmm. motto of this show is drink what you love, love what you drink. At the end of the day, that is all we care about. Mm -hmm. We want people to have the confidence to explore the wonderful world of beer. (laughs) <laughs> Mainly beer. Mainly beer. <laughs> but not necessarily throwing money at something they don't understand. So the profile, the description is Osiris Pale Ale is an assertive West Coast style pale. We went over that last week, folks. With a distinct citrus top punch. Also says Osiris Pale Ale is not for the timid. There's some marketing for you. <laughs> Obviously, neither of you are a timid beer drinker. All right, beer number two is what I would consider the mainstream pale ale, Sierra Nevada. That's right, Chase. Mm -hmm. Beer Advocate has that beer ranked at 4.03 out of 5. Rate Beer has it ranked 93 out of 100. And Beer Connoisseur doesn't have a rating for it, believe it or not. Again... Beer number two was Chase's favorite. Any other last words on your favorite beer there? No, I mean, in my head, I was kind of racking around Sierra Nevada, but I was also kind of racking around a few others that I've had just kind of on a national scale. Uh, It's just those weird things like this. I guess it kind of throws your, your mind and your palate through a loop whenever you've had a beer dozens of times, and then you taste it blind, and it's like, ah, well... It could be that, but it also could be seven other beers that you've had in the past month and a half. So That's right. But I liked it. You know, Sierra Nevada, definitely great company, huge company. Mm-hmm. So obviously they are, again, probably the most recognized name in pale ale across the U.S. Right. So they know what they're doing. And 
price-wise, folks, that beer is just over a dollar. You can usually get a 12-pack for around $15. So definitely a great value. Uh, Osiris, that's going to sit closer to the $2 per beer. But at the same time, that was kind of the biggest beer that we've tasted so far. Abby loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked it. Because she's not a timid person. No, no, never. <laughs> All right, beer number three. We'll finish up here. Down I got to say, I was kind of unfair to you all. Because this is an English-style pale ale. Okay. 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 So that's probably where you got a little bit more of that bready, yeasty, less of that hop. Mm-hmm. I say more crushable, where you can just put it down, no problem. And Chase, if you wanted to kind of explain what an English-style pale ale is, as opposed to, say, an American pale ale, yep. that would be very, very helpful for everyone. Sure. So, pretty much one of the main differences between the, an English-style pale ale and an American pale ale is, again, kind of the difference between IPAs and pale ales in general. So, traditionally, England and Australia and places like that are where pale ales and IPAs kind of originated. They started using like, they, it, it's called coke, so it's kind of a, an ashy form of coal, I believe, or mm-hmm. something that they used to burn coal, but it's what they used to, one, preserve longer, which is when they added hops to it, obviously, and then they would send that beer to their soul, to the English soldiers in India, that's kind of where the term India pale ale came from mm-hmm. because a lot of the first beers that were around were porters and things of that nature they were very dark so instead of roasting the malts they just put them straight in and it came out with a much lighter color but traditionally whenever English style pale ales kind of first came out they didn't really have a whole lot of bitterness to them it's got a little bit more of a malty bitterness to it versus a hoppy bitterness so it gives okay. a little bit more of that distinguishable bready bitterness but the English style pale ale and the American pale ale are definitely going to be characterized as the APA being a lot more on the hoppier side just because US styles of brewing have gotten so accustomed and so used to just throwing as much hops as much hops as at a beer as possible whenever they're chasing those hop heads exactly so whenever they were originally made over in England and places like that they put the hops in as more so a preservative, but it didn't really, they didn't, They weren't really worried about it adding the flavor, more so as just making sure the beer lasted longer. That's kind of where the difference lies between the English style pale ales and the American style pale ales, is that the Americans, as with most of our local breweries around here, just throw as much hops at something <laughs> as possible and see what happens. All right. Well, I couldn't stay away. I had to go local. This is Louisville's very own Fall City English-style pale ale. On Beer Advocate, it's ranked 3.29. Beer Connoisseur did not have it, and Rate Beer has it 25. So, Rate Beer was not a fan of this style of pale ale, but again, it is English. So, Mm Again, probably where you got more of that bready because they're not throwing in all those hops. They're not trying to necessarily see how much bitterness they can take a pale ale. Um, but still quite enjoyable. I feel like a terrible, terrible beer rep in the Louisville market. Because <laughs> I've actually never had Fall City Pale Ale until really? today. 
Well, that's I, that's why I'm here. Exactly. I'm glad <laughs> I finally. You up to new things. Glad I finally get to try Fall City Pale Um, I'm pleasantly surprised. You know, I kind of thought I was a big fan of Sierra Nevada's um, Pale Ale, but I guess not. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I mean, when I went, show. I went there in uh, Asheville a couple times, and I was just like, oh yeah, that's my favorite one. And then come to find out, of these three, it was my least. Oh yeah definitely just goes to show a lot of times what I tell people that tell me that they don't like IPAs, they don't like pale ales, they don't like hoppy beer. What I always rebuttal to them with is, don't say that, you just haven't had the right one. So there are hundreds of thousands, I'm convinced, different beers out there from hundreds of different breweries across the U.S. And I know out there there is a beer for everybody. And that's why I know I'll never run out of content to exactly, podcast about. Exactly. And you chose a good topic to podcast about. Thank you. It's fun, too. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. Well, Chase, Abby, thank you all so much for joining me on the show. We're going to get you some blast, goodies. Yeah. Um, as always, listeners, drink what you love, love what you drink, always drink responsibly. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.